In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. And welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast... Uh, Kaiju. My podcast, Kaiju. I'm just going to go really not at all interesting. My podcast, Kaiju, is the one and only. That's par for the course. Travis <laughs> Rats here. Travis, I didn't. I didn't put much thought into uh, what to call you at the beginning of the show. I really, I really should have done better. It's your bit, and you just can't manage to to get it working, can you? No, no. I when I can't, I usually just say podcast partner in crime because uh, it works. And today, I thought I'd, I'd try to get clever, but then it fell apart. Real quickly. My podcast, Gojira. Is that better? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's just two comic book podcasts in a row where you've done a uh, an offensive I'm Asian sorry. Accent. Well, don't pick an Asian-related comic book. <laughs> so uh, today on the show, if you couldn't tell, we are uh, we're reading a book about kaijus. Uh, this, the book that we read for this week's comic book club is Kaiju Max out on Oni Press from Xander Cannon. Uh, and on the comic book podcast, we read comic books. We uh, bring on guests. We do a comic book club. And this is one of those episodes and you are in for a treat as we are reading a uh, totally wacky book called Kaiju Max. Can I our, stop it right there? Can I put yeah, a pin in this? Yeah, I yeah. do want to say something. I, want, I okay. think this is really important. That I have to okay. get it off my chest. Okay. I think that Kaiju Max is a great name if you have a betta fish. <laughs> That's what you would name your betta fish? I think someone should out. Please, fans, loyal listeners, someone get a betta fish, name it Kaiju Max, and tweet us that shit, please. <laughs> Travis wants to fish named Kaiju Bax. Make it happen. All right. Our guest for today. Our guest for today is a listener who I plucked out of the interwebs uh, because I said we were reading this book. And he was like, oh, I'm totally going to read that. And he did. It worked, Travis. It worked. We'll see. He could be like, he could be like a, a serial... Something like some like some hor- <laughs> he could be a horrible human being, Josh. He could, we don't know. but I don't think that's true. He seems like a nice guy on the internet. But he how seems, many people have probably yeah, how many exactly. people have said that before? You've obviously oh never God. been on Tinder, my friend. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, but our guest today is Brent Jackson. Brent, say hi to everybody. <laughs> Hey, everybody. I'm the creepy guy from the internet. <laughs> I told you, Josh. I knew this was going to happen. No, but creepy people don't come out and say they're creepy. So I think it's a joke. I think, I think we're good. Uh, so uh, Brent is uh, one, of our, one of our Twitter followers, a guy who I love to kind of go back and forth with on the internet. We get to talk about comic books. And uh, when I had someone lined up for this and they fell out like right away, and so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get Brent on the show. Scrappy don't on the show. That's what I'm, that's who I'm gonna get <laughs> on the show. Scrappy don't is your Twitter Twitter handle name. Uh, we're just putting that out there right now. I'm sorry I didn't even ask, but it's it's out there now. Um, <laughs> I think there's some numbers after it, so I think I think. <laughs> my question is: Is this a Scooby Doo reference? That is a Scooby Doo reference. All right, nice. Just can I ask? Can I ask what for? What for? What for? Ah, uh, this, uh, <laughs> this scrappy dude. Uh, I think my grandmother used to call me Scrappy Doo or something. <laughs> I thought it was a funny play on words don't, to myself. So. Scra- scrappy, don't do that. Scrappy, don't. Uh, <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, so, uh, Brent, welcome on the podcast. Uh, Travis, I know you have a question you'd like to ask all of our guests. I do. So I'm going to let you fire away, sir. I'm going to let you I fire do. away. Okay, so, Brent, it's very important. I need to know. 
what was your first exposure to comic books? My first, <laughs> the sad thing is I've listened to the podcast a lot and I've actually thought about this question about my first exposure to comic book. Don't you blow this, Brent. Brent, and, oh my God, don't you blow this. <laughs> yeah, I've had a, it's kind of been a weird, uh, Exposure to comic. I mean, uh, obviously, I grew up in the grew up in the '90s with the big boom, and uh, really, me and my brother just started. I mean, we were just every Marvel cartoon and everything we watched, and then went to comic books. And I remember my mom would bring us like probably once a month. We had one of those comic shops that also sold like the playing cards and all that crap that they sold in the '90s. They had one shop that had like sports cards and everything and then we'd pick them up there and pick them up at the grocery store and you know who still has his set of marvel trading cards this guy right here that's right <laughs> travis <Yeah>. rats does <laughs> I, got like, I got like triplicates and duplicates of some of those bad boys <laughs> if you need a uh um who who are the people who did that uh not the kirby they're 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 brothers they're they're twins um i don't, I don't remember adam and jeff anyways. <laughs> Adam and Jeff. So, um, uh, Brent, you're, you're saying you're a big Marvel guy, right, uh, growing up. I, I know oh, yeah. when, when you get in conversations with Josh um, uh, via social media, uh, you're, you're, you're tweeting about some obscure stuff and some obscure titles sometimes. So at what point did you um, move away from the big two, and what was that experience like? How did that happen? How did you, how did you move from Marvel into deeper cuts, let's say? Oh, well, I think like everybody, like I started reading comics when I was a kid and then I kind of fell out and I really didn't get back into it to probably about to when the first Iron Man came out. My brother had always kept being in the comics, always, and he kind of introduced me to, showed me mainly Marvel stuff and was like, you know, read Civil War, read Planet Hulk and stuff, and then I was actually, uh, Actually, I used to fight uh, amateur mixed martial arts, and I've been wanting to get in the. My brother just been sending me stuff, you know, read this. And I drove by a comic shop, like a comic shop just moved in town here. And I was like, I'm going to stop by after I get done training. Came in, I picked up, I tried to get into X Men and stuff, and you know, it was all confusion. And finally, I just started picking up, picked up some Daredevil, got back into my Marvel kind of group. Then once I started, I was like, you know, I kept reading uh, online, you know, image comics and everything that coming out. And as I started to go and get to know creators and artists, I started to look for their different stuff. And then, you know, I started reading, like, uh, Why the Last Man. I, the first time I picked that up, and I started reading it, I was like, oh, yeah. crap. That's a, that's, know, a gateway, that's a gateway drug to indie yeah. comics. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the perfect example. I was just like, oh, crap, there's some different stuff out here that's really good and then just from there to started you know picking up like uh just whatever i thought looked good and like when i started following different artists and different creators and writers and stuff i'd see what they were doing and i'd start picking them up that really seems to be the the kind of where you when you can describe someone as like an if there is an amateur comic reader to the professional level it's the people who follow the artists and writers as opposed to the characters. Does that make sense? Am I making this up? Would you say that's a defining line between certain comic book fans? Uh, people who follow the characters, they're, they're going to read X-Men no matter who's on it. 
but you have other people who are going to read whatever book Brian K. Vaughn is doing. Oh yeah, I, I totally tell you those, those are those are kind of two things. I mean, I think once you start out, you're character driven, but then when you start to find out, like, I really like this run of Daredevil, I'm going to go read anything that you know Mark Wade does, or I really enjoyed this run <clears throat> on Green Arrow, so I'm going to go follow whatever you know Jeff Lemire writes. And I, I think that you get this switch where you were just following a character, but then you're like, man, that character was great with this one person. They must be doing something right. And then you jump around, you know, I I think that for me, uh, that happened for sure. I, you know, I picked up a book and then I was like, Oh man, whoever's writing this is good. What else have they done? And then you kind of search out that sort of stuff. And I, I think it, it definitely widens the range of what you read when you start doing that. Right, absolutely. And I think that applies just about every artistic medium. Like, uh, once you start getting into film, you're first, you're a genre person. You're like, I like horror films, I like comedies. And then you find, like, a comedy you really love, or a horror film, or a romance film you really love. Like, who the hell directed this thing? And you're like, oh, this is a Francis Ford Coppola. Let's see what else <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola has done. And all of a sudden, that's it. That's, that, that switch has turned. And now, like, I feel like now you can call yourself a true fan of that artistic medium. You know, if you're following directors in film, you can sit and have a conversation um, and really kind of expound on things uh, in a way that has meaning. I'm not saying that you can't if you're just following, you know, titles or characters, but I think that you can. it's easier for you to make comparisons between genres and books and styles if you can speak the language, if you can bring in the creators, if you can bring in the artists. I mean, just work, working with Josh, uh, Josh uh, has really got me focusing on art more than I used to. I was such a story-driven person, and now it's fun to go through and be like, oh, wow, you know, this artist is great. What else has this artist done, you know? Yeah, you, f- you find yourself in that kind of like <clears throat> searching for good stuff. So let me ask you, uh, Brent, what else are you reading right now? I mean, we made you read Kaiju Max. Before we get into it, what, what other stuff are you reading right now? Uh, right now, uh, mm. I'm, big, I'm waiting for the, obviously, the new uh, Southern Bastards trade to come out. Uh, I really got into, I think y'all put it on your summer list, but uh, the Autumn Lands. Yeah, that, would, that looks like a good one. I've been watching oh, yeah. that one. Oh, I love, uh, I picked it up. I love that. Uh, really anything like, uh, I mean, I still pick up some, uh, I like the new Power Man and Iron Fist from, uh, Marvel and the new Moon Knight's good. And, uh, really anything like if, uh, James Stokoe's drawing it. Oh yeah. Writing it. Uh, he's, uh, probably my top of David Aha's on something that I'm picking it up. Yeah, he's he's definitely those two guys are putting out some. I mean, Stoko's Godzilla stuff is just. I don't care what's going on; it's just super, super pretty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. I could I could sit there and look at Half Century War for days. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of uh, different stuff and some stuff like uh, I just started reading American Vampire. Actually, I get oh, that from the library that. here locally. That's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just got into that. I think Al- only, I Albert Griffith's first- arts on that is awesome. I only for the first issue on it, and it was not like Comicsology had it for free, uh, and I dug it. But then it was like, there's a million other things to read, and I haven't I haven't gotten to it yet. Travis, you like it? I love it a lot. Yeah, I I, I haven't kept current on it. it. It goes like every like ten issues, it switches to different decade, which is really cool. I love Albuquerque's art on it. Uh, of course, Snyder. That's where he. That's where really where he, uh, you know, cut his teeth. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> pun intended. 
So Spe- speaking of uh, speaking of uh, Snyder, I grabbed a uh, the artist proof edition of Witches today. Like Ooh, jum- jumbo jealous. eleven by I'm seventeen. Jealous. Wow. Uh, 11 by 17, like black and just the inks by jock. It is, it is fantastic. Oh, I bet. I bet <laughs> just the raw. Yeah. yeah. It's super pretty. It's super pretty. So let's, let's get into our, let's get into our book today. Let's, let's talk. Uh, Xander Cannon, kind of like an indie guy doesn't have a, I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff out from him, but I had heard like rumblings of this book and I was like, Oh man, I want to check that out. But because I trade weight on a lot of stuff and because it's Oni press and Oni press, like my comic book shop doesn't really uh, doesn't order a lot of any any outside of the big two normally. I mean, they order image stuff and maybe a handful of things from uh, you know um, a couple other publishers, but they don't normally carry a bunch of Oni Press stuff. And so I was too behind on it. So I waited for the trade to come out. And uh, Kaiju Max Season One is is it six or five five issues? Um, six, six, six issues. Six, yeah. Yeah. Six issues of, uh, a, a story about a prison full of, uh, Kaiju. So Travis, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do, Travis. I want you, since you just finished it, I want you to give me your summary of Kaiju Max. If you give me, what would your, uh, here's what I don't know. Instead of a summary, I want you, if you were pitching this, what's your elevator pitch of Kaiju Max? Okay. Imagine this. We all know Birdman of Aquatrass, right? We've all sat through prison movies growing up, Shawshank Redemption, The Rock. But now, let's add monsters to this. We have <laughs> Kaiju Max. Kaiju Max follows, uh, we start, we follow the story of Electrogar, who is this monster who we get introduced to this prison prison called Kaiju Max, and this monster, Electrogar, is captured at the beginning of this book and thrown into this, uh, thrown onto this island, which is also a prison for these monsters. So on this island, you have a mix of all kinds of monsters, right? Anything you can imagine, and stuff that you can't even imagine, and we get to leave up to uh, Xander Cannon, which is one of the things I want to talk about. Uh, you have this island, and it has all the social implications that you would expect in any kind of prison genre, right? You have all the character, the, the archetypes uh, uh, on this prison island. And running this prison island, you have these Ultraman, Japanese Ultraman-like figures uh, that all come with their own human drama. And these guards and these monsters, they intermingle, their lives mix up, there's drama. It really is the orange is the new black for monsters. I mean, you can make so many comparisons to this. It's like orange and the Blo- orange is the new black meets the island of Dr. Moreau, right? It's like Godzilla meets... Meets Oz. Yeah, or <laughs> meets Oz, yeah, or any Telemundo um, type of uh, drama, because there is so much like melodrama in this um, uh, book about monsters. Uh, so y- you can really sell this book with just saying it's a prison island with kaijus, of- with monsters <laughs> in it. And that's all you need. That is all you need. And one, one the, I think one of the brilliant marketing things of this is that, this, what's this book? It's a prison island about monsters. Done. Sold. I don't <laughs> care who you are. I don't even care if you're not a Godzilla or Mothra fan. You tell somebody that, they're like, I'll give it a go. <laughs> it's it's pretty ridiculous. Now now Brent, let me ask you, you uh you you read Godzilla, you seem to be kind of like a big monster movie kind of guy, right? Is it can I can I get that from you? Is that what I've am I uh, correct? Yeah. 
huge Godzilla fan. So, <laughs> so a big Godzilla fan. So for you, what when I when when I put this up, what did you think about just the premise of this book? What, what, what were your thoughts about it before you read it? <laughs> Well, actually, I say I probably wouldn't even heard about this book if you wouldn't have put it up. I really didn't see anything about it. I really just saw what you put about it, and I was like, well, that sounds kind of, you know, I just saw the word kaiju, really, and I was like, oh, well, that sounds, I'll pick it up. I'll give it a shot. And then when I kind of picked it up, I found it, and I picked it up, and I was like, Andrew Max in prison? And I was like, I really didn't understand the concept at first, and I was like, Oh, oh, and then probably like three issues in, I was like, oh, they're going hardcore into this uh, right. like prison thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with it. So there's like, there's like, if I could just, there's, it's the premise is silly, but there's like a lot of like serious story in this weird, silly package. Am I wrong? Yeah. That's <laughs> what I think I liked about it most is that it was, it kind of like, it was silly, but then it took a serious note to it also. Yeah, there's some real tongue-in-cheek stuff. Like, the weight room is, like, buildings, right? So they, like, the weight room where they knock over buildings, and that's how they lift weights. Or they step on them, and that's how they lift weights. And there's, like, a treadmill with buildings on it. It's, like, all this sort of silly stuff, but filled with kind of, like, this serious story of what it's like to be in prison. Here, here's what I, I think about, you used the word serious quite a bit in that little last minute there. And I, I think... I have to like I, I I finished reading this book last night and I I I texted Josh I go I have to sleep on this I don't know how I how I feel about this book and I I'm, it's 24 hours later almost and I'm still like I'm still that it's it's hauntingly creative is why I texted Josh I just said I texted him I said hauntingly creative and I mean that Xander Cannon like I I don't know who this guy is but he's my creative spirit animal now because <laughs> this is a complete work of passion for him. And it comes through, it doesn't pander to any particular audience member. It's just him doing what he wants to see on the page. Uh, a prison uh, genre with kaiju monsters on it. I mean, this is, this is, no one asked for this. You know? <laughs> no, there's no one out there being like, when's someone going to make a kaiju prison genre? And so for you to, to rely on paying your bills and 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 getting through this world and putting something else. This is not the safe route to go creatively, <laughs> this book, this idea. But he does it. He, he, he defies uh, commercial expectations and is just like, screw it. I'm going to do what I've always wanted to do. And what I always wanted to do is completely <laughs> messed up. And he does it in a way that you kept saying serious, and I think it's serious because of this. And this is the question that I, I, I want to expound on first. A- ask it, sir. Ask, ask it. Yes. Does this the, the do the characters follow the rules set up in this book? What do you What do you mean? By what that? I mean by that is this. I don't think this book is silly for the sake of being silly. The reasoning. The reason this book is comes across as serious is because it seems like there's an unset spoken rule in this book, rules in this book, that we, no matter how, how absurd they seem, uh, Xander follows them throughout. Like at no point after about the first issue am I like, this is ridiculous. I take <laughs> everything on board as if, yep, that's about right, that's about right. Well, I think I think he really plays with that subject matter, and he finds a way to to set every sort of like type of mo- like he 
what you would see in any prison film or, or any like scared straight or like prison documentary. He like creates a, a group of monsters that fill that role. And there, there's just something like he takes it. It's this absurd concept, right? It is totally absurd, but he does something. He tells like a real story with it instead of like being jokey. There's jokes throughout it, right? There's some silly stuff in it, but that's not the purpose of the story. The story is like a very kind of like, you, you said it's a very melodramatic story, but it's just told in a really absurd way. Do you think that he wrote this as a straight prison drama with like human characters or characters that could have been anybody? And then he went back through on the second pass and just made him kaiju? I don't, I don't think, I think like he knows too much about kaiju and about this stuff to, to have it have been like a, without forethought into it. There are you know? some deep Japanese cuts in here. Like <laughs> just, I mean, the, the, the hiragana and katakan here is on, it's on par. The references to different places in Japan is on par. So, um, what do you think, uh, about, uh, the dichotomy sets up between the guards in here and the monsters, which seems to be where a lot of this this book plays off of. So, um, Brent, I'm going to ask you, like, what do you think uh, about the interactions between these these guards and uh, these monsters in this book? How, like, how did that play out for you? I think uh, probably uh, one of the most interesting parts of the story is the guard story. Because you get not only the monsters in the prisons that uh, you were following the main character, obviously, but you get side stories with these guards. You got the one guard that's uh, dealing drugs. Well, whatever. <laughs> I guess they'd be drugs or whatever, <laughs> energy or whatever, smog or whatever they want. And then you got um, the one kind of straight lace guard. And then uh, I think my favorite part is. Uh, the one, the one young guard, and then you see him going from, you know, being happy-go-lucky to, uh, he's on that, mit, the capture that one, he kills that one, and then he just goes downhill from there. Yeah. And I, I think the interaction between them is really yeah, so good. He's got, we're like, he freaks out. Yeah. yeah, he, like, freaks out and yeah. breaks all those robots. It's, there's, like, some, I, Travis, I, there's, like, I think he does this job where it's, like you said, Brent, it's not just about the monsters, you know, that's a big part of the story, but there's like a whole like soap opera turn where you just watch the, the guards do stuff. And like the one girl, well, the one guard flies into outer space and, and meets the, you know, like uh, goes to the casino, right? <laughs> like, oh, that's the weirdest part. It's just, it's just bizarre. But like, you just replace that with like, he goes to a club, right? And like, yeah. deals with the boss there. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. You're, it, it it's it's amazingly like serious and takes. I, I love the tone of uh, of that that human storyline. I love the interactions, guys. I got seriously emotionally choked up during this book. There are parts in this book where I'm like, oh no, no, no. The goat, <laughs> when he gets beaten the up, goat monster. Like that's such oh. like a sympath like. I have such empathy for that character where I'm just like, oh, my God. Um, you know, the, the little the, the whale Woofy? monster. Yeah, Woofy. Who yeah. gets, like, tricked into, spoiler alert, doing something very horrible to his dad. I'm, I'm sitting there like, no, no. And then if, if someone was in the room while I was reading this book, as I'm, like, 
kicking in my chair and like wiping tears from my eyes. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm reading a book about prison <laughs> monsters and kaiju. There, it's like, it's, it's odd how like emotional some of this stuff is, right? Like that whole scene, like you feel bad for that kid because his dad like makes fun of him all the time. And, but then like, the, but then it's coupled with this silly thing from Godzilla, like the little boy who shows up on the island, right? Like, it's just such a silly thing, but he plays it so straight. It's, it's, there's like something, there's something like insane about how straight this story is, despite all of the absurdity in the whole thing. And that's what makes it high art. Because when I first started reading this, the, I'm not going to lie, the first, the first, um, Issue, I was like, oh my god, this is a Josh book. <laughs> when I when I Josh book. When I picked it, I knew that you I knew like my first thought is Travis isn't gonna like this. And then as I got into it, I'm like, no, I think there's enough story for Travis. Yeah, no, I got in here and the first issue was like, Josh book. It's another <laughs> God hates astronauts, silly for just being silly. But I get into this and I'm like, oh my god, I'm so glad I kept reading because I, I was sucked into this. It's like uh watching like um uh, like, like a reality TV show that I can't turn away from. Now, there's a lot of storylines interweaving in here. So, Brent, yeah. uh, Brent, you know, we end on a cliffhanger here. Which of these storylines um, are you most excited about following? Uh, I'm kind of interested. You know, I think the the main storylines probably got me most. I'm, trying to, I'm more interested in how... He's going to find his kids or offspring. Do you have kids, Brent? <laughs> Brent do you have kids? No, no kids for yeah. me. That's why I was like, I don't give a shit this guy finds his kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm, and I'm not so interested to see, because they never really explained how he got, we kind of get a glimpse of how he got into the prison. I'm kind of interested to see, like, what all went down in that part. Kind of a flashback yeah, to that. Like, chewing on an electromagnetic cable or something like that. Was that it? Yeah. Like that, yeah. Yeah, something and I'm kinda interested in that I'm also interested in the the one guard that uh that uh, the young guard that quits. I'm, i think his my most favorite part of the whole storyline. The different storylines. I'm really interested to see where he goes from or if they continue even if they continue to follow him. Yeah, he goes ape done shit. Or, he goes ape shit in the middle of the yeah. ocean here. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. So I'm, I mean, I think that's, I thought, I think his storyline is probably the one that I'm like, I really gravitated to in the whole book and all the different characters kind of going on was that young guard, this kind of just his like kind of downfall to how, kind of almost like a, maybe a breaking batter type deal with him. What about you, you know, Josh? What are you, what are you most, good to down. What are you most interested in following, Josh? You know, I kind of there's this there's this bizarre love story that takes place kind of out of out of nowhere, of like the the like counselor or the doctor, mm-hmm. Doctor Zhang, and one of the and like the jerk new monster that shows mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. near the near the middleish end, and so I'm kind of like I'm like what's what's with that, and then this is really not a story. Um, I guess uh, let me let me say the other story, and I think the same thing. I kind of want to know <clears throat> how he's going to get his kids. And what's going to happen with Wolfie now that kind of Wolfie's in charge? <laughs> like like a, a dumb child monster's Who in charge? Who is this little Asian boy? 
Is he a figment of Wolfie's imagination? Is he, like, some, like, spy? Is he even human? I think someone is using this little boy to get to to the Wolfie's dad. What's his name? Gorilla? Ape Whale? Which is... Ape Whale is just, like, like, that is so silly, right? Like, all of the names are silly. Everything's silly, but there's, like, this weird, serious story that that goes with it. I think, um, here's what, here's what I want to know. Here's what I want to know because we're talking, we're talking about the story. We're talking about these characters. Uh, Brent, which monster is your favorite monster or monsters? Uh, I guess, which, which one is your favorite? Oh Lord. Uh, <laughs> I did like April's design. I would say, uh, my favorite is probably uh, the playoff, like uh, Monster Zero, King Ghidorah, but he has two of the heads chopped off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why I would have the design just with two of the heads chopped off. I kind of want to know what happened to them. <laughs> Maybe we can follow him for a little bit and figure out what happened to the other two heads. <laughs> Travis, let me ask you, what, what's your favorite monster? Uh, my, my favorite monster differs from my favorite storyline, but my favorite okay. monster is Humongo. Uh, the rapping... Uh, <laughs> jolly green giant monster who like we don't get to see to the end like he, he makes his appearance early on like doing he's like he's busting out some rhymes i'm like oh my god this guy's this is great this, i was just laughing i was sitting in my bed reading this just laughing out loud as this monster is busting kaiju rhymes like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and they were pretty good rhymes you know i could see like mc chris busting that out you know um so yeah i liked him um and then i liked his um how he actually got to be a crucial part of the story there towards the end. And I think he's going to be an even more crucial part of the next story arc here. Isn't like just, this just tells you what this book is like. You just talked about a rapping Jolly Green Giant monster and like, he's really going to be a crucial part of the story moving forward. Like, And he doesn't do hard monster drugs. He only does like the gateway monster drugs. (laughs) So he's okay. He's all right. Yeah. He's like the Wiz Khalifa of monsters. I, th- I think, like, if I had to pick my favorite monsters, I love the, uh, what's this, the Mechazon, like Me the Mechagodzilla one, mainly because, like, uh, how, it's like the religious group. That's on my the, favorite storyline, yep. It's, it's like the religious group in the prison, whether it would be, you know, whether it's, like, the Nation of Islam inside of a prison or, you know, like, whatever ultra-Christian group is, is holed up inside of a prison. There's just this, it's this really funny way of like going oh yeah no we've, we've got a religious group too what what religion do, mo- do monsters believe in and the, the robot monsters it's just this hilarious sort of like just bizarre thing that just tickled me every time they would come on and talk about you know the cloud and, and like uploading their consciousness and stuff. <laughs> well, this is this book is a great example of why I love the medium of comics so much. Can this exist? Maybe a cartoon, but is there any way this story can exist um, in all its detail in any other medium? Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no one's no one's going to greenlight a movie on this pitch. No, or they might, but it's uh, you know five million dollars. You're not going to give it the five hundred million dollars you're going to need to to do this movie. So this people, this is the reason we read comics because people like Xander Cannon can let their imagination go run wild. They can reach in back to that twelve year old self and pull that out and create this beautiful piece of 
serious silliness, you know, where I'm sitting in my bed and I, every time, one of my favorite things about this book is every time I turn the page, I have no idea what's going to happen next. No idea. Agreed. (laughs) And there's like something, there's something really cool about, about that kind of thought process of like, well, that's just silly. What, like, I have no idea what's going to happen. And it's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. He is following the rules of, I, I am not as well versed in the, uh, kaiju genre as you two are. Uh, but he, I know, I know the prison genre pretty well, and he is following the rules of that genre. Is he, is he following the rules? I mean, is he mixing in enough kaiju references? Do you feel that this scratches the itch of a, a monster fan? What do you think, Brent? Uh, I would say just with all the details, with all the different monsters he puts in the background, that uh, like on some pages I just sat there and looked and tried to pick out which one from what movie they were in. and where, uh, So I think it does it definitely scratches that itch to uh, where so uh, kind of spot reference and stuff. Brent, you're seeing – see, I don't even know. You're seeing references in the art of these monsters um, oh, yeah, and other yeah. things. You see like – yeah, in the, in the background, I love like he puts different stuff in the background that you can kind of tell like, oh, that's from, you know, like uh, even the little boys a reference to the my Godzilla movie, one of the worst Godzilla movies ever. Is it Megalon? No, it's not Megalon. It's the one with Baby Godzilla, right? Yeah, it's like Son of Godzilla. I remember seeing it when I was like nine and being like, this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but like the little kid imagines himself on like the world. Yeah, uh, on, this, like, on Monster Island, and essentially that's what this is, and it's just this hilarious. It's so weird, but like spot on in a lot of stuff. I mean, he not only does he get like the the like the the Godzilla ness, but this whole like Ultraman angle that's in there, yeah, is is just it's just hilarious. There's just so many things that are so well, weird. Think about I want I want you both to think about the two things that you love and know the most about. It might be kaijus. That's okay. So if I were to say, I want you to cross the two genres or ideas or things you love the most in art together to make a story. I was thinking about this. I go, mine would be beat poetry and WWF wrestling. If I was to go back (laughs) to my, like, you know, like my teenage self, I'm like, okay, this is a story about um, WWF wrestlers who are also very, like, beat poetic. And it it sounds as silly as this idea. And that's, again, I keep going back to just why I'm so astonished by this book is just the the absurdity, but how well it's grounded. And I'm I'm impressed, and I like it even more now that Brent said that these monster deep cuts, that there are actual references to – to the genre itself. Oh, there's a ton of them that you're like, oh yeah, no, that monster looks just like X or, you know, like it's, it's super funny, I, there, but it's also like <sighs> impressive, I guess is another word to use for it. What about this world he's building here? Uh, I, did you get a real sense, Brent, of the island, its space, its um, uh, geography from this book? Uh, that's the one thing that I was kind of... Yeah, I can. I was trying to figure out how, because in some parts it looks really big, and in some parts it looks really small. And that's the one thing. Uh, maybe the rules of the land and stuff. I was trying to figure out is the probably the like, how does all this work? I don't guess it really matters. 
Right. But like the, the guards. One second he's in space, and then one second he. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Well, there's like there's this there. Here's a one thing. The one thing I like about trades is that they sometimes give you a little bit of extra. And this didn't have a whole lot of extra in it. Oh, I mean, it's a yeah. all these issues are pretty long. Like for six issues, this is a pretty big book. But there's a Kaiju Max uh, island in the back of the trade. I love that island. Yeah. I love it. It's like when you used to open up Lord of the Ring bo- Lord of the Rings books and see like the whole map laid out. I love it. Yeah, I, the, the, if you want to, you want to make me happy. Put a map in a comic book. Like put a map in anything. Yeah, <laughs> and it just in a CD. I'm listening to some music. Do they? Nah, no one buys CDs anymore. But put a map in it. I'm happy. <laughs> hey, Oni Press, if you're listening, I, here's what I want you to do to market this book. I want you to create a Google map of that <laughs> Kaiju Max, like where you can actually go in, zoom in, see things that are happening there. Make this happen, Oni Press now. <laughs> you heard it from Travis. You heard it That's from right. Travis. Don't let me come uh, after you, Oni Press. <laughs> um, let me let me let me uh, ask you guys. We can. I mean, we've kind of jumped around it a little bit. And Travis, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer the question. You asked the question, but I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I don't think either of us answered it. We moved on to something else. So uh, about if I could combine two things together, you had your beat poet oh, wrestlers. Right. Sorry, <laughs> your beat poet. So you like jumped out. We jumped on to something else really quick. You had beat poet wrestlers. I think like. For me, and we've talked about this before, like just something, just something ridiculous to do. Um, I would like to see like um, the Office meets Star Wars, if that makes sense. Like a real like working man in the Star Wars universe, like the Empire, or, like the Empire. Yeah, yeah, like just like so they did it. You know, they did that the little sketch with the undercover boss on SNL. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't want undercover boss. I just want like the day in the lives of the guys who are working the garbage compactor on the Death Star, right? Like just, just super boring. But like, I want a window into the world of like office life through the lens of Star Wars with some sweet backgrounds. Yes. <laughs> if you could combine two things, Brent, what would it be? Oh, two th- two anything. Yeah, like two genres or two. If you could have a, a weird take on something like Xander Cannon does here. Oh, I think I'd like to see maybe uh, – you can't go wrong with dinosaurs and comic books. <laughs> so maybe like a back-in-time adventure but with more like a – we'll say a anthropomorphic cat. Going back in time, <laughs> times. Feelings like and dinosaurs. It, there we go. Pete, you know what people love on the internet? Cats. They love cats. You, you know. See? You know. Cats. You know what nerds love? Dinosaurs. Where oh, it, it's it, it's, it, it's gold. <laughs> Oni Press, are you hearing you this? Have... Google Maps and dinosaur kittens. Hit it. <laughs> Prehistoric time traveling cat. I'm in. I'm in. It'll sell. <laughs> Hey, I bought this. I would probably buy that. <laughs> um, so, Travis, let me let me ask you, Travis. Let's get into a little a little bit of art here. Let, let's talk. Let's talk art. We've kind of talked about the story a lot. What did you think about uh, Xander Cannon's art in this book? So this is this is where I'm like it's like a double edged sword here because I'm it's tough because I start reading this book and the art's not the art wasn't bringing me in at first. You know, I, I was like, because uh, it's super cartoony. Uh, and I know that's right up your alley, and that's why I was like, this is a Josh book. Um, 
But like I always say, story trumps everything. And this, the story trumps the art for me. But I also realized at about issue three that because the art is cartoony, it allows for um, uh, Xander to do so much as far as creating new fun kaiju. Um, and now Brent said that the reference, some of these kaiju are, have references uh, in other kaiju movies. But I think with the cartoony style, it allows Xander to go in and really create his own roster of kaiju. Yeah, and it's definitely something that, like, you could do it in another, you know, in another style, but I don't think it would, because, and I, I think that that's, that's something I enjoy about it, is it's really cartoony, but there's this this juxtaposition of cartoony art style, but in, like, and in, you know, concept, but then a very sort of real story. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I liked. So again, at first it was kind of like uh, it just it it wasn't aesthetically pleasing. It was, I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to see what what's next. Uh, but at the same time, uh, after I saw where the story was heading and like the these mix of genres, I was like, okay, uh, by doing it in this cartoony style, which might be. Xander's style, you know, I, I don't, I haven't read enough, I haven't read anything other of, uh, uh, done, seen any of Canon's work to, to compare, but I'm like, okay, I get this. And I go, this allows you to, one, this, this book is coming out on a monthly basis. Is that correct? It was, yeah, it is now. It's come out in, uh, it's come out month to month now. Yeah. I think the style is conducive to that, to tell a lot of story very quickly. You know, there's not a lot of, there's even though there's a lot of detail happening in the panels, as Brent pointed out, like things that are happening in the background, the lines aren't super detailed in here. Yeah, uh, Brent, what do you think of the art? Uh, I think my answer is going to be a lot like uh, Travis. Uh, I mean, at first when I first opened, I'd say like the cartoony style is not my favorite, the style that I'm most attracted to when I look at a book. But the more I read into the book, I was like. You know, this art is perfect for this book because they really, I mean, I can't, re- I can't really see this book being drawn any other way from this cartoon. I mean, it fits the book perfectly. And as I got the more look at it, I mean, he puts tons of detail into his work. And I think it, just from that point of view, it fits the, after I got the, like, kind of saying maybe the third issue, I was like, you know, uh, this fits the book perfectly. Yeah, you, you know, I, I am – this book is, like Travis said, this book is a Josh book. This is <clears> – <throat> I love I'm – not, I'm not hype – I'm not, like, big on hyper-realistic stuff. I don't, I don't like stuff that looks too realistic. Um, I'm not a big, like, uh, you know, Jim Lee fan or that DC House style. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a, you know, giant fan of. Uh, I do love cartoons, though, and I do love cartooning. And Xander Cannon uh, does some great – cartooning in here like even though it's cartoony and even though he's got like monsters he does a really good job even monsters that don't have real mouths right like uh like electrogore doesn't really have a mouth but he emotes every time you see him like with his eyes or the way his head shaped you see like he does a really good job of even though these are like monsters that don't look like people, right? They're not really humanistic in their, in their faces or anything like that. He manages to really 
show them emote, whether it's when, you know, uh, electric Gore gets, gets stabbed and he's like all bummed out and, or like, you've got, um, how sad Wolfie gets, uh, after his dad dies and, like you see these monsters, but he manages to give them real emotion, and and even the cartoon, the people, he does a good job of giving emotion to them too. Um, so I I totally get how uh, if you're not a cartoon kind of if if this isn't your 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 style, uh, that it might be a little weird at first. But I think uh, Brent, I think you're right. It I don't it fits really well with this book, and I, I don't know that I could see it any other way. You know, there's been. The, the amount of different people who do Godzilla books and, and, and monster books and stuff like that. Um, I don't know that that – I don't – I think the silliness is lost if you if you did it too realistic looking. Yeah, that's what I would say. And like what you were saying about the emotions, it's perfect. He can convey like the emotion without any word balloons or you know what that character is feeling, especially with monsters and stuff. I think that cartooning style really lends to that – know conveying what that character is going through just by facial expressions yeah you get to give them like it's okay that their eyes look really weird or there's exaggeratedly like you know uh the brow is exaggeratedly furrowed or something like that you couldn't do it if it were real but you're able to show a lot of emotion by by doing it that way you know i I will say this though i think that the cartoony style of this book is going to hurt the sales of it um and I, I want this book to do really well, and I want I want you know um, Canon to keep producing this. But if you see if the typical graphic novel buyer sees this, like as at a Barnes and Nobles on the shelf or is perusing the internet, the art style is contrary to some of the themes in this book and yes. some of the realism of the story. So the seriousness, some of the seriousness, realism, and um, engage, like just the melodrama of the story can be lost if you are just looking at the cover of the Yeah, if you, just flip, if you just flip through it, you wouldn't, and, and, and you know, I'm sure when you first got it and you busted it open, you did the thumb through, because everybody right. does. Yeah. And you were like, oh, it's... It, Josh was right. It's giant monsters on a prison, but, um, but I think you're right, but I don't know that it hurts sales. I think that, I mean, this is a pretty indie, Oni press is a pretty indie press. A lot of the stuff that Oni puts out has a, it's that kind of indie style, you know, it's a little more cartoony. And so I think for the folks who are going to go find an Oni press book, this is going to be up their alley as far as like style goes. Um, and, I'm going to be honest with you. I was surprised. I picked it up because I thought it was absurd, right? Because I do love a bit of absurdity and I do love monsters. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, it's absurd. It's a, it's a, you know, a prison planet. It's a prison island filled with kaiju. That's all I needed it was. And you, I think I would have been happy had Xander just run with the silliness of the concept. But I am even more happy that he went and did like a serious prison story with this absurd characters oh i needed to be i wouldn't i would i don't think i would have done the podcast if it wasn't because i would be like <laughs> if, if it was silly monsters on an island i would have uh, yeah no it would have it would have been a very contentious podcast i'll tell you that <laughs> well i'm glad it's not a contentious yeah. podcast Travis. i whenever i pick a book that's not a normal book i'm always worried you're gonna you're you'll you and i will will recreate 
the God Hates Astronauts podcast. <laughs> Travis hates astronauts. Travis does hate astronauts. Uh, and after and after those astronauts did so much, why do you hate? Why do you hate astronauts? Because listen, sometimes you need to get your head out of the stars and bring it down the, to reality. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right. So let me let me ask you guys, um, Brent. Would you recommend Kaiju Max to somebody? And who would you recommend it to? This is a. I would recommend this to somebody, but I think, like what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, this is going to have to be like somebody that's already in the comics that you got to recommend this to. Because you just hand this to somebody that's never read a comic book before, I think they're going to, like, what the crap is this? <laughs> you know, but for me, you know, you read it and you're like, oh, I get it. You know, it's comic books. Like we were talking about, this is a straight, you know, Monsters prison story. This is what comic books are made for. Yeah. So I think, it, I mean, I, I got a friend in mind that's kind of into comic books and into, you know, stuff like this that I could hand this to him, like, hey, you know, read this. You'll like it. But if I just handed this to somebody that, you know, never picked up a comic book before, I think they're going to have a, like, a tough time with it just from the standpoint of what it is. Travis, what about you? I'm with Brent on this one. That's why I'm kind of glad we had Brent on this um, podcast because as much as I enjoyed this book and would love to shout from the rooftops, you got to read Kaiju Max. It's If you're going to hand it to someone who hasn't read a comic book, I mean, they really got to have a love for the absurd. Uh, I mean, I guess I would ask what their favorite bands were, and if it was something like uh, I love the Aquabats, then, then yeah, then absolutely, uh, done. You got this book, um, or like MC Chris or something like that. But it's really tough. It's really tough to hand this off to someone who might be unfamiliar with comics and say, "Here's a comic book," because I think this it's its own thing that happens to be a comic book. So yeah, I, I would recommend it. But it would just have to be to the right person. It, for right now, this is going to re- remain my my hidden gem. And I hope that people who uh, follow this podcast will listen to it and go pick it up. Because, um, you know, I'm going to have to wait till probably doors are closed and I have deep late night conversations with people before I'm like, there's this book I, called Kaiju Max. I, th- I think I, here's here's who I would give it to. Here's who I would give it to. I would, I would really, I'd give it to someone who, it, I'd give it in a caveat, right? I'd, I'd say someone who kind of likes, maybe they liked Orange and the New Black, or maybe they like sort of like that prison genre, or maybe they like monster stuff, right? And so I'd say here's like a, a it looks silly, right? I think you have to, I think you have to go in and say it looks silly, and it is silly, but there's a really good story in there too, right? And so I don't know that I'd walk up to anybody who maybe. But I think I think the art is accessible because it's cartoony enough, and some people expect that from comic books. So I'm I'm okay with I'm okay with that part of it. Um, and there's a really good story in here. So I, you know what? Uh, I think I would I would hand it over to a, a friend who goes, "Hey man, I'm looking to read some comic books," and then I would say, "Here's I'd, I'd kind of give the I'd give the suggestions. Do you want?" Something that's a little weird. Something do you want? Something scary? Do you want something that's just kind of fun and serious? I think that this plays a really good role of being both like funny and having like a like a serious story behind it. 
but also there, I mean, it's absurd. And so maybe that's, maybe that might be a deterrent to handing it off. Uh, but I think if, if I like the person that I am, if I gave someone this, they'd be like, of course, Josh gave me this. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what would happen. Cause I, that's what I, I said it. when I got it. I was like, of course, Josh picked this. <laughs> of course, Josh gave me this. I think sometimes we think of like, we need to, um, you want to give something that some, that people have like a connection to, whether it's like, oh, here's a Superman comic or, or a Batman comic or, um, I mean, witches, we've always talked about witches is like the perfect comic book to give to someone Why the last who doesn't, man, witches. Yeah, yeah, who doesn't read comic books, right? Like, oh, you like horror stuff. You like scary stuff. Read this. Cause it's a really good kind of gateway. But I think if it's someone who reads comics, I, you can give them this and they'd have fun with it. And I think if it was someone who's never read comic books before, I would give this to them in like a stack of you should read these things. Yeah, because right? the story itself is universally eclectic. It's some, yeah. it's a story that everyone can get into, and it's just off-center enough to be uh, unique and original and something that people have never yeah. seen before. But for me, it's just it's, – for me, just – it's that that art is, you know – I liked it once I got into it, but when you, like you said, when you do that flip through, if you're yeah. not into that cartoony style, it can be a real like, uh, what is this? You know, Sunday funnies. What's going on here? I would be like, hey, yeah. did did you like uh, did did you like Scott Pilgrim? You should read this, right? If you can handle that sort of that that sort of cartoony art, then I would say glom onto this. I- if you like Chew. I would say grab this. I want right? to see you pull a Google hunting style on like the, the glass of some deli. I want you to slap up Kaiju Max and say, hey, do you like Scott Pilgrim? <laughs> How do yes, you like these Scott Pilgrims? I like Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> I think if you could just pitch somebody the story and then be like, this is what the story is about, then be like, and it's uh, Kaijus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then... Maybe you could reel them in that way if you just told them the story first and then kind of just threw in, oh, it's giant monsters. And- it's a story about a guy who gets sent to prison and, like, he left his kids alone and he's really worried about what's going to happen. <laughs> and there's intrigue and drug dealing and, you know, you know, prison bosses. And I think he... I'm gonna, I, I really enjoyed this book. Well, it's funny. It was, on, the, on the back of the book, the barcode, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. I don't see this on many books, but on the barcode, it says prison kaiju? drama, kaiju, <laughs> slash humor. I don't I wonder how often those three things are together. No. <laughs> like how often is someone – are those tagged in those in – those? and I want to tell you what. This was nine ninety nine. So, and this is a lot of comic it's for ten bucks. Am it's I right? Yeah, no, that's a good a bargain. I love, I love this nine ninety nine model for the first trade. I don't know how good it is for business, but I love it. <laughs> it's good. It's good for me. It's good for me. So, gentlemen, I think, I think we're, I think we're good to wrap up the old podcast today. No, we're not because we haven't done favorite panels yet. Come oh, we on, didn't do favorite panels. Get in the my... game, brother. <laughs> Sorry, man. I don't know what my problem. You're right. I do not know what my problem is. So, Brent, let's have you start off. Favorite panel, my man. Tell us the page number. Tell the world the page number, and we'll uh, take a look at it. I don't have the book in front of me, but it's the very last page of the issue number five. Very last page of issue number five, uh, where he's blown up. Yeah, where the, and the dude. I think this the whole story uh, with the young guard and the part where he's just like, "I'm done. I quit." 
you know, yeah. oh, yeah, like, know we've all had those that. days when yeah. just, you know you reach a different point and you're just like I'm done I quit <laughs> it's like I think it's just like, that whole page is just yeah. my it's like when you when you worked fast food and you walked into the bathroom and someone just did something <laughs> terrible and you're like, nope, I quit. I don't I don't even want to try to clean that up. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the whole story leading up to that. There's just like like when I saw it, he just like shows up and he sees the the blown up body and stuff, and uh, hopefully he's just like the other guards in there, like, well, what are we gonna do? And he's just like, nah, I'm done. <laughs> he just walks off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a good one. I think it's a good one. Uh, and a side note, and a side note about wanting to quit a job when you see something. Uh, I worked at JCPenney back in the day when I was in college. And one time, uh, as I was working in the men's department, we checked the fitting rooms uh, like you are supposed to do to pick up stuff that people didn't buy or whatever. Someone took a shat on the chair <laughs> in the changing room. Like, well, what kind of shit we're talking about a, here? straight up baked a brownie on it my man oh. like not like a messy sloppy one but like a straight up like it looked like the poop emoji you know what i mean like if soft you picked it up would it leave residue i don't know because i didn't pick it up because i was like nope and so i went i went and got the uh, maintenance guy and that was not me and i was not going to pick up poop you call so. that pulling an al bundy you take a shit in the shoe store yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, that was that was my I quit moment. So Travis, what's your favorite panel? Uh, so uh, my favorite panel is on page one hundred seven. One hundred seven. Uh, this is uh, where uh, the nurse, the Ultraman nurse of the island, has just lost a patient. And uh, the bottom right corner of page one hundred seven <laughs> is a panel where I don't know what his name is because there are there's so many crazy monster names. But he's the, I think the it's monster with son. Yeah, Zahn. Zahn, the monster with an attitude, comes in, and he just leans against this mountain. And I love it because of his body posture and for the dialogue. He says, girl, how you doing? Looks like you alone over here and looking so sad. It reminds me of – have you seen the movie Can't Hardly Wait? Yeah. It reminds me of Seth Green's character in Can't Hardly Wait, like something like that, like that lame character would say to hit on a girl. But in yeah. this, because he's like a monster, it actually works. He's like, yo, baby, what's up? You looking so sad. <laughs> I just love that, like, it's this bizarre, like, it's such an inappropriate moment to do it. Yeah. And, like, that just, like, he's able to paint these monsters in such a way. And this right here just tells you, like, I don't like that guy. Like, <laughs> he's such a douche. This is a guy at, like, a college party that would totally stab the girl I was hitting on. <laughs> he, like, I have a, so uh, Brent picked my panel. He picked my panel. The blowing oh, up kid was Brent, yeah. that, <laughs> That's walk. okay. Up, so I'm not going to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cheat like sometimes I am known to do, Travis. And there is a and th- there's a series of panels on one thirteen where the young guy is driving to work, and on the radio there is a song, and that's why I love these panels. There's a song on the radio about evolving as a monster right. yeah, that is like this exactly straight that. Pokemon reference. <laughs> and, oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, he's he's like, uh, boy, you came into my life and made things feel so right. You really pushed the envelope, but baby, why can't we level up? 
ooh, when you're next to me, ooh, please one more XP. Babe, I want your one and I want to be your one and only breeder. Babe, I know that evolution describes changes in population, not individuals. Silly, I mean it more colloquially. Evolve my heart, boy, you've got to. Like it's just this (laughs) Yeah. It's just this serious like and then he gets into an accident and that's when he like freaks out, right? So like this is the thing I love about this book is there's just something stupidly silly like that. And then it turns into the moment where dude freaks out because of what he's seen at work and what's going on and just loses it. Yeah, like if you were driving home from a hard day at the schoolhouse and you, you turn the radio like, you don't know you're beautiful. Yes. <laughs> and then I get into a car accident and get out of the car and punch somebody. That's, 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 right. that's what would happen. I just want to know, like, Zan, I'd like to have a interview with Xander like how did he come up with like when the with that song references <laughs> and everything how he came up in when the when the when, when the Travis was talking about them rapping yeah and the lyrics I want to know like what was his how long did it take him there, to write that there are some like there's some hilarious little stuff in here and it's just all those little things like they don't say god they say goge like gojira <laughs> and like, they don't call each other man. They call each other mon, like monster. Like, yeah. he's just a mon trying to get it together. And there's just all these little things where I'm like, how did – what made you decide, you know what I'm going to do? Instead of saying God, I'm going to make him say Goj. Gojira. That's what I'm going to oh, do. Yeah. It's just it's just this – there's all these little things that are just silly on top of, like, just – just like serious stuff. And now I flip back to that rap because I had to look at it again uh, because he talks about huffing a 50-ton nuclear flask. <laughs> oh, so great. So great. <laughs> My crew rolls deep 20,000 fathoms. There's just, <laughs> just like, man, nuclear breath melt you down, uh, melt you down with your best mate. Like, t- There's just such crazy stuff. If you look I, at the very back page of the whole yeah. book, it's him busting out some more raps. Yeah. Where you been? Did your iceberg just crack? Because I'm here to throw down another Mega Monster diss track. <laughs> and then he goes on to like rap a whole song. Like these are like six verses to a song. Like Lizza spitting flame. Man, it's just so it's so great. Uh, there's just it's so much good. silly stuff. If you like silly and you like monsters and you but you also want like it's not just silly for the sake of being silly. There's like a real story behind it. And I think that's what makes it that's what I think makes this book great it's a fun book but then it's funny but there's also this sort of serious undertone so if you uh are listening out there and you haven't read uh kaiju max yet uh go pick it up it's on oni press it's 10 bucks you cannot go wrong if you ordered on amazon i'm sure it's a little cheaper than 10 bucks uh if not you have prime who doesn't have prime the shipping's free get it read it uh i enjoyed it i think the two dudes on here enjoyed it Travis, did you enjoy it? I love it. It's artistic gumbo. It's a perfect concoction of so many different styles, genres, story plots. I love it. Brent, did you like it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Just like all those, like we were talking about earlier, the little details in the background with the kaijus and the writing and the little details he puts with the saying like Goad and Mon. And then just the story in general, I think everything just flowed nicely and it was real good. It was good read. Awesome. Well, Brett, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, remember you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Comic Exposure. You can listen to a billion other podcasts. Not really a billion. What do we add? This is 51, right, Travis? 51. 
51 is that 51 trades or 51 altogether 51 podcasts 51 podcasts so you can go back if this is your first comic exposure podcast you can go back and listen to 50 episodes of us talking about books like witches southern bastards uh we've done lock and key lock and key spider-man blue she-hulk so many books you can go back and check them out uh and uh we've got summer reads coming out soon and we are going to be at phoenix comic-con this weekend talking about saga with a couple guests i'm looking forward to it it should be fun uh so if you're in the phoenix area and you have tickets to comic or you have the tickets to comic-con phoenix comic-con come check us out this sunday uh june 5th at 12 o'clock in room uh it's north 121A, if, if you can be there. If not, find us on the web, uh, www.comicexposure.com. Everything's there. Check it out. Uh, we appreciate you listening. If you give us, like, I don't know, a, a nice rating on that iTunes or whatever app you listen to your podcast on, whether podcast aggregator you have, uh, hook us up with a little review. We like that. We appreciate it. And, uh, gentlemen, it was a pleasure. And, audience, we'll see you next trade. Peace out, my lizards. <laughs>